Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. everybody i was gonna ask you how you're doing but i know how you're doing everybody is doing pretty awful and uh i am here to hopefully relieve you from some of that stress from some of that that mental anguish that we're all going through you're listening to 100 words or less the podcast we've got some exciting things going on this week one of them being the guest who is casey cavalier from the wonder years i love the wonder years so much they're such a great band um I've been listening to them for, I think I got into them around the upsides. I initially thought that they were just like a silly joke band, which is kind of where their origin story was. But um, as they grew up and progressed, and now they're just a, a force to be reckoned with in the uh, rock, punk, pop punk, whatever you want to label them as. But I just think they are a uh, honest band. And I loved to have Casey on the show because uh, he offered some interesting perspectives on you know how the band has grown, how he his relationship with touring is, all that other stuff. But um, I hope you're okay. Because let me tell you, these past couple weeks have obviously been very strenuous on all of us. And I hope that you're safe. I hope you're doing all of the right things you should be doing, staying indoors, washing your hands, you know, just helping others in need as much as you possibly can, helping out those small businesses, because let's be honest, so many people have lost their jobs and so many companies are uh, just struggling right now. Everybody's struggling. And uh, I just, yeah, I just feel, I feel sad. That's like the best way to, to describe it. But yeah, so just just do what you can to help your community around you, help those in need around you, and uh, stay connected. You, your mental well-being right now in this crisis is of utmost importance. And uh, you know, if you need help in any capacity, there's a lot of different resources for you out there. Hopefully, your family and friends are there. Uh, you can always email this show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Not like I am some sort of licensed therapist or anything like that, but uh, I, I know myself, I am visiting my therapist over um, you know, Skype, and it's been working really, really well. So you just you got to take care of yourself. That is, that is very, very important during this time. The show has a new partner, and I am really, really excited about this, iHeartRadio and iHeart, the iHeart Podcast Network. We are a part of it now. That's kind of what, that's why there was a uh, you know two-week break or so as we switched, switched hosting platforms, and I'm very excited about it. So you'll be hearing, you know, usually at the top of this show, uh, some promotions for other iHeartRadio shows and podcasts, and uh, dive into it because I, you know, not only do I work for the company, but uh, I'm just excited because uh, they're going to be able to get this show out to a much wider audience than uh, what it previously was, and hopefully we're going to pick up some new listeners on the way, and uh, ultimately that's all I care about is bringing more people into this fold that care about independent music, DIY, all that other fun stuff. So yeah, I'm incredibly excited to uh, see what this new journey unfolds, and uh, I love it. So yeah, iHeartRadio, check it out, and you can download the app and listen to podcasts there. There's a lot of different uh, ways 
that you can uh, interact with iHeart. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. So here's a conversation. I was about to say chat. I don't want to say that. This is a conversation. That's exactly what it is. So here's the conversation I had with Casey. Uh, this was actually before all of this craziness and the pandemic hit. So, um, you know, we don't talk about that at all. Um, nor do we talk about any of their upcoming touring plans and stuff like that. But uh, as of right now, they had to cancel, I want to say, the last, like, 80% of a tour that they were on. So uh, they pushed some dates back to July and August. But, um, yeah, the Wonder Years are a great band. If you haven't listened to them, you need to do yourself a favor and check them out. So, uh, yeah, here is the discussion. My relationship with the Wonder Years, I think, started around, uh, I would say, the uh, the Upsides era, as it were, where, um, you know, because honestly, prior to that, I just thought you guys were a joke band. <laughs> like, I just... Uh, and that would be accurate. Yeah, that, that's um, that's pretty that's pretty fair, actually. I mean, that is, uh, if we're talking about the, uh, the origin of the band, yeah, it didn't start out and hit the ground running in the most serious manner, no. The, right. uh, the subject matter was uh, that of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're just um, yeah, you're just and it, like I I got it cuz like it, it wasn't like I looked down upon that per se, but it was just one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, this wasn't necessarily for me cuz like especially being from Southern California and you know existing around bands like uh you know the Aquabats and stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm I love that band and I'm fine with that. But like, you know, I, I looked at the one, you know, what you guys did with your first LP and I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like that, you know, that's fine. It's just not for me. But then you know, the upsides came out and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I see where they are coming from now. Like they're obviously, you know, learning to use their voice and everything like that. But I was primarily drawn to kind of the earnest nature in which you guys were approaching, not only your songwriting, but you know, lyrically speaking, just kind of the presentation of the band. Um, but this may be a little bit big to start off with, but you guys are so interesting because the band has like aged gracefully in that sort of same earnestness, but not being like, you know, a total walking cliche of just like, Oh gosh, you know, hard on the sleeve sort of rock slash pop punk band um, that just, you know, ages and still sings about the same stuff they were always singing about. Um, And I, like I said, I know this is a big question, but just like, I'm sure you guys are conscious of that. And I'm sure you guys are obviously trying to age gracefully as you know, so you're not just this, um, yeah. Cliched version of yourself. Does it, does anything I'm saying kind of resonate with you at all? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And I, I, I'd say that's probably, that's probably no accident, you know, that it, that it's kind of progressed that way. Um, you know, probably organically, uh, in the sense that, yeah, you know, I think, um, as you age gracefully, as you put it, uh, uh, or try to do so. Yeah. The, the stuff that, uh, that consumes the daily life, uh, you know, and the things that, that inspire or, you know, in a, in a positive way, uh, or a negative way or anything in between on that spectrum of emotion, those things change, you know, the, the, I think the, a lot of the tendency, at least for us and a lot of other uh, bands, artists, and songwriters that we've had the pleasure of knowing and touring with uh, and working with over the years. Yeah, that perspective kind of changes. I think what you were talking about, uh, you know, maybe like Upsides era or even stuff before that or even, 
you know, going back, you know, predating the Wonder Years, um, you know, all the bands that uh, I'm sure much like yourself, you know, that we were in uh, in high school. Um, you know, a lot of the songwriting, I think, uh, tends to be very um, internalized. You know, it's really what am I feeling? What's what's inside here? And, and um, a very I uh, related, um, approach to it, it, either being lyrically or the things you're seeing. Um, and I think the older we've gotten to, not that that doesn't change, you know, you're always processing those things. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we, we start to look at the world, uh, a little bit more, you know, and also I, I guess too, you know, this is why it's always, I say it's been organic because, you know, when we started the band, it had been, pretty much, uh, you know, you start out in your hometown, your, your local micro scene as it were, and slowly start to kind of grow from there, whether it be, you know, playing the next town over with a few different faces, uh, and, or, you know, making, making your way down the East coast for the first time, or in our case, I mean, one of the, one of the first, I'll say like mini tours that we ever did was actually, uh, we ended up over in the UK uh, for like a week and a half, uh, on just like a DIY book tour. So it's like, and that kind of perspective and seeing all of those, you know, bouncing around from scene to scene, um, and the differences. And then I think that only grows from there as you, uh, as we've gotten older, uh, you know, traveled further distances, different people, seen a lot more, digested a lot more stuff. And, you know, you never stop learning and never stop understanding with it, you know, all those different perspectives with every conversation. So I think that the songwriting tends to follow that, I think, which, you know, if we're talking about, like you mentioned that, you know, uh, the first, uh, the first music we put out, you know, at the onset, we, uh, you know, the band was, uh, I mean, it was lighthearted at best, you know, it, it <laughs> yeah. was, uh, sure. it was, li- it, it was quite literally a summer, you know, a, like a summer before a lot of us were, um, you know, at, like after we graduated high school, uh, and like I said, we'd all been playing in bands. That's how we all knew each other. Uh, Kennedy and myself, our drummer, were in a band. Josh and I, uh, Josh and I, our bass player, have been uh, have been playing uh, bass and guitar in bands respectively since we were like twelve years old. You know, so we've 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 been uh, friends and have been playing music together for over you know two decades at this point, which is wild to think about, but. Um, you know, so back then, you know, this was kind of the, Hey, this is this, I guess, uh, pop punk genre, so to speak, um, was, uh, you know, seemed to be at that time, especially just kind of an overarching, whether all of our bands were doing different things or, you know, exploring different, um, different sub pockets of that, of, uh, that different world. Uh, this was kind of like a, Hey, like, let's get together, do something lighthearted, uh, man, maybe throw a micro Korg in there, throw, you know, whatever. Um, and write a song and Dan, our singer, you know, was there and kind of looked around and I remember the moment where it's, you know, it's like, what's the, what should I write about? What's the song, you know? And we were like, oh, well, you know, honestly, we didn't even really, we didn't really think of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was honestly an afterthought. Uh, we did not, we didn't even think we'd get that far. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, we're having fun. This is like a, a funny, cool little song. Um, and ultimately, I mean, we're going all the way back. Well, talk about diving into other things, but it it was, uh, 
ended up being a, an inside joke about a significant other um, uh, from one of the band members at the time. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and so, I mean, so that's where that came from. And, and it, we didn't really expect it to, to go much further than that. So we were, we were happy to leave it at that and, and have fun with it. And I, this is, I mean, people, <laughs> other, um, other friends or whether, you know, whether it be people in other bands, you know, it, occasionally, uh, you know, fans pursuing their own stuff will maybe ask, uh, you know, do you have any advice? Like I'm just starting a band or whatever. Um, and I'd say, you know, part of it, I guess, is maybe try not to, and maybe if there's an overall message, try not to take it too seriously at first, but, uh, but at the same time for us, we all, you know, we all took the bands that, came before this so much more seriously, you know, at the, at the start of it. And maybe there, there was something about, um, you know, that, uh, that lighthearted approach that we, that we brought into this one song and kind of left it at that, that allowed it to, to grow, um, in a nice way where it wasn't until, uh, you know, a year or two later where we, I think what ended up, up happening and maybe specifically, uh, Dan it, talking lyrically then at a certain point, you know, where we started to look at, Hey, like we're having fun playing the music that we're playing, um, you know, d playing the shows we're playing with, you know, a lot of other bands that we enjoy and like, uh, and are friends with. Um, but it's kind of tough, you know, when, when lyrically there's, you know, something that is enjoyable, uh, and has its, has a certain charm to it, uh, but is, is maybe we were like, Hey, maybe there is an opportunity to, uh, say something that's a little bit more personal or maybe, you know what I mean? Um, uh, and so that, that transition, I think kind of, kind of happened in a very natural way and it's just continued to progress maybe a little differently, but you know, that was part of a, part of a, a growth as people in that like high school to college age transition. I think when a lot of, uh, when life can start to get a little bit more real, you start to see some, you know, uh, friendships coming and going at that time, pretty, pretty rapidly with a lot of people shifting around moving, whether it's going off to college or starting a job or, you know, relationships ending for whatever reason. Um, and so I think that, you know, that was that first initial step that, that probably, uh, had it, had a pretty big hand in us starting to transition at that point to, to maybe writing music and, and trying to, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a night and day shift by any means. There was, there was still a little bit of that, um, of that awareness that, uh, that followed into even the upsides, like you mentioned that record, you know, there wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't all of a sudden, uh, wow, we really got to get serious about this and, you know, right. no jokes, no smiles. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it wasn't, um, it wasn't just like turning on a dime, um, by any means. And I like to think still, even that, you know, we approach it, it's, it's not, um, you know, we, I think we're still definitely able to laugh at ourselves with like, with a uniquely, um, East, like Northeast, uh, Philly, like self-deprecating humor. I love, I, I remember when we first, um, when we first started getting to know Steve Evitz, who we've worked on a couple of records with over the years, um, him being like a, a deep Jersey guy, he was like, man, I love it. I miss it. So he, he's been out in LA for, or, uh, 
in the LA area for quite some time now. So we kind of bonded over that unique brand of um, Northeast, like tri-state area sarcasm uh, and humor that he was like, man, you just, you don't see it out here and I miss it. But yeah. like the second, the second you guys came in and just started fucking with each other, he was like, oh man, they're definitely from Philly. That is so that brand of humor. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, I, I think we're, you know, that's something that's, that's helped us, um, stay grounded in our own way, um, in our own circle and even, you know, has a, has a way of, of benefiting our friendship and relationship as a band over the years, you know? Sure. Sure. And I, I think something, you know, that as you were uh, describing those, you know, evolutions and, you know, you guys uh, as a, a band overall, and I think something that makes you guys inherently unique from that perspective too, because like, you know, you, uh, you know, every band writes about their own experiences and their own, you know, growth. And, you know, clearly as you grow up, you obviously have different, you know, opinions and influences, all that stuff. And I think you guys have been so, um, really rooted to like writing about the experiences that you are having at that particular moment. And I think that, you know, um, not only lyrically, but, but sonically as well. And I think that's why people have been able to, you know, <laughs> grow with you as opposed to, you know, feel like, Oh, this band is like unrecognizable from, you know, two LPs ago or whatever. So like, it is interesting that you guys have been able to, you know, kind of pull people along from that perspective. Yeah. And I, and, and we've seen that too. And that's, I think, What's really cool is, um, especially now, you know, kind of looking at um, the history and the, and the lineage musically and discography and how, um, you know, the people that have been there for, you know, uh, when we talk to someone, it's like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I remember. I remember when I first listened to whether it's Upsides or even, you know, like a seven inch before then or you know, get stoked on it or whatever the entry point was. And then I just think about, you know, from that way where it's just like, man, like I, I feel like I see it visually, whether it's like looking at, uh, old promo pictures or occasionally, you know, you'll be going through an old hard drive and someone will send, uh, a video, uh, to our group chat, uh, you know, from like 10, 12, 15 years ago. And it's like, man, a lot has changed, but it doesn't feel like it's been that long when we're just, you know, kind of all sitting around hitting those moments, um, you know, and I'm sure it has, but it's, it's been interesting to, to think about people that have seen that whole transition with us. And then, yeah, like, just like you said, you know, when, when people articulate how certain moments have mirrored, you know, certain moments in their life and they, you know, they found, um, an entry point, whether it be lyrically or even, you know, how things change sonically. And I, I think that is something that uh, even, you know, if we, uh, whenever we, uh, decide to slow down or, you know, it, it, you know, stop making music. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that, you know, if that will ever happen or what, what that would even look like. But, uh, suffice to say, if we stop making music tomorrow, I, I think, it's really cool to know that, you know, looking back at everything, you have this cool kind of uh, scrapbook almost of, um, of where we were and, you know, thinking about the influences and, and what as a group we, you know, we came up with between the six of us as those influences um, and inspirations kind of changed and, um, and, you know, yeah, lyrically and, 
and sonically too. So, yeah. so that's really cool. And, and to hear how people uh, can relate to those progressions and transitions and different moments along the way is, is amazing. For sure. For sure. Um, now kind of putting the focus on, on you, I, you know, I know nothing about you and trying to do some, some sort of, you know, just like really top of the line biographical, uh, you know, information mm. stuff. It, you, you, it's funny because I mean, you strike me as a person who, you know, like you're, you obviously enjoy playing in a band. You enjoy going on tour. You, you enjoy all the aspects of it, but you know, you're, you're definitely not put to the forefront of the band in regards to like, Oh, like, you know, Hey, Hey Casey do obviously all the interviews. I mean, you know, clearly Dan is doing a lot and a lot of your other members are, but I was like, sure. I don't know anything about you. So like, are you born and raised in the East coast? Like what's your, uh, what's your sort of, you know, uh, origin story as it were. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, how did I get my superpowers? Yeah, exactly. No, um, <laughs> No, yeah. So, uh, yeah, all of us are, uh, are born in the Philly area, and I, I grew up, um, you know, like Philly suburbs in the Northeast, um, Montgomery County. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, so we've been in and around Philadelphia for our whole lives. Um, and, uh, you know, so go birds on topic of that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, all Eagles fans, for sure, which comes with its own unique, um, unique qualities and characteristics but um yeah um but yeah and uh and so i mean you know talking about that so uh, the band itself then had you know half of us went to the same high school that's all we how we all met and um so it was honestly kind of like a three and three way split but um yeah i mean i've been playing like i mentioned earlier um you know uh grew up and um my dad had been a musician, so he kind of, you know, so there was like a bass sitting around, an acoustic guitar sitting around, a ton of records always, you know, that, you know, as I kind of started to come online and those things piqued my interest as a kid, you know, started sharing some of those um, things with me and uh, and kind of passed that down. Um, what, stuff was he, yet, what stuff was he sharing with you? And when you say he was a musician, is it one of those things where he was like, you know, gigging in local cover bands or what was he, what was he doing? Uh, I'm sure there was a little bit of that. I mean, from, you know, from what he told me, it sounds like he was, um, you know, doing the, uh, maybe against my grandparents' wishes at the time, doing the sneak out of the house um, nice. when he was like 14, 15 to go play uh, actually um, like Drexel and Temple like frat parties with some cover bands with guys that were probably much older than him. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah awesome. so he's, he started pretty early too, I guess. I mean, these are stories that he probably, you know, saved the, um, you know. Yeah, the salacious uh, details. Save, yeah, yeah. Saved the honesty for a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh yeah. So, uh, so I mean, that's where I got it from. And as far as like what he was into, I mean, very classic rock for the time period. I mean, this would have been, you know, he was playing in, in bands like that in the seventies, um, you know, early, early to mid seventies. And, uh, so a lot of the music, I mean, you know, much like I'm sure whatever I will pass down as the nostalgic, as the nostalgic, um, you know, uh, piece of you know, time period musically that affect me hard as I'm sure later, you know, I will forever be a nineties rock, um, fan in, in, in all facets, just because that's, you know, that's the decade where it's, you know, first started kind of hitting you and you started, you know, start kind of becoming aware of, uh, of just how much stuff is out there and, and what's, um, 
and what's really new and exciting in that time period. Um, but yeah, so for him, I mean, that was definitely a lot of it. My, him and my mom, I remember the record collection actually um, being pretty, pretty vast, you know, um, anything from like, uh, you know, all the old Zeppelin records to like a lot of jazz, like big band stuff um, that was lying around, um, you know, all the way down to actually funny enough. I mean, I have... I have vague memories of this, but I do remember, and it's mostly, the, you know, the things that my, you know, my parents used to laugh at for some reason when I was like, I mean, just like, this had to be when I was like six, seven years old, eight years old. Um, I don't know why, but country music was the thing that first found its way to me. And I remember, I mean, I had like Colin Ray and like Billy Ray Cyrus, like achy breaky heart cassette tapes and like. Dolly Parton tapes and there, and it's not a thing that, I mean, I respect, you know, respect that all those things as songwriters now, that's not, you know, the genre of music that has stuck with me as a favorite and as a, you know, a staple that I go back to. But I mean, that's even, so that must've been in some way, um, you know, passed down, whether it was them listening to like local country stations in the car, but that was something that as a kid, like real early on, um, they were like, wow, this kid really, really loves this country music for some reason, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, um, that's funny. You know, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I always joke about that. And I mean, you know, love to see Billy Ray Cyrus making, you know, yeah, a, a relevant comeback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in this, yeah. Um, and so it made me think of that kind of stuff, you know, coming full circle now, here he is back again. But yeah, I mean, that, um, you know, that was kind of this, the start of it for me. And then, um, you know, did you find I feel like, like, did you have, uh, like, you know, are you an only child or brothers and sisters? I am an only child. Yep. I, sm um, I, I smelled you a mile away, my friend. I am too. Uh, so. you, you know what? <laughs> yep. Um, yes, there, I'm sure there's many unique giveaways that over the years, uh, and again, the dynamics of I'm the only child, uh, out of the six guys in our band. Um, so I feel like I've had, uh, I mean, I, in its own way, I feel like I have grown up for the better part of my life with a uh, a large a large set of you know built-in brothers um, mm -hmm. in that way. So I don't feel too robbed of that um, of having a sibling. But also, a lot of my very good friends were either middle children or uh, you know of like three or even I mean our old keyboard players, the oldest at nine actually. Um, and, uh, you know, like seeing that dynamic and getting to witness that, I, you know, there are things where there were, there were definitely days where I was like, oh man, like that would be so cool to have a brother. Like then you just have someone to play catch with like yeah. anytime you want, you know, it's like, um, or, um, or whatever, you know, whatever it was, you know, play, you know, um, play Monopoly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, maybe I would have been way more into video games if I had had a player two, uh, growing up, you know, just built in, in the house there. Uh, but, um, and then there are other days where you see, uh, how, um, siblings, siblings can be somewhat challenging. Um, you know, uh, so I think, you know, I, I was definitely, uh, I definitely uh, saw that sibling dynamic and got enough of it, um, you know, hanging out with my other friends uh, and their siblings. And, um, you know, so I, I don't feel like I missed out too hard 
but yeah, I was an early child. So you were as well. How did you find, how did you find your solo uh, experience then? Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Um, Cause I think it, there is the, you know, sort of weird resilience of an only child in regards to like, well, no matter what, you're going to have to learn how to entertain yourself. Like, even if you have friends eat, like all these things that you're talking about, it's like, there's just that reliance on self and not in a bad way to where you don't know how to interact with people, but just the idea that, no matter what, I know I know I'll be all right. Like I can hang out with a book in my room, or I play with my action figures, or whatever. And so I really enjoy that, you know, sort of inside my head nature. Um, that I think, you know, it's not to say that people that have siblings don't have that experience, but um, I know as an only child, you literally have no choice but to have that experience. <laughs> oh no, hundred percent, totally. I mean, I think that's probably why early on, um, you know, I guess when I started trying to started learning how to play guitar. It's, it was something that was very easy. It was like, well, I guess I'll go try to learn this song or, you know, um, and which I guess makes it into, it's like, well, I feel like, you know, I learned that, I learned that song. Uh, maybe I'll start messing around with like, you know, making up my own song, you know, like I, I feel like that might've also been, um, you know, been a, maybe a, a cause for, uh, for that transitioning into just like occupying yourself and having a lot of, a lot of free time, um, you know, when, when friends weren't around or, and also I lived kind of like at the end of a district. So like, I remember growing up and, and feeling this weird, uh, this weird envy of a lot of my friends that lived in like, um, either like cul-de-sacs or houses, you know, closer together in like a different part of the school district where they had a couple of friends where they could just like walk right down the street. Uh, but I lived on like a, like a much, uh, like a busier, much longer street, pretty far from anybody. So it wasn't, you know, early on when you're in like, you know, when you're in like middle school or whatever, it, um, you know, it wasn't like the safest thing where I wasn't like, yeah, I'm just going to like ride up the street or like right around the corner in like a, um, you know, a development where like no, you know, there's no cars or whatever. It's like our road, like had no sidewalk and cars would come whizzing down. So I was just, so I remember that thing where I was like, man, I'm like, I'm excited to go over to my friend's house. Cause like, there's like seven other kids just like always like playing around the neighborhood. They can just pop from, you know, from each other's houses all day long. And so it's like, there was time where I'd like sit around and being like, all right, wait for my parents. Like, okay, two hours, they, you know, I'll drive you over to Dan's house or whatever. You know, I was like, okay, cool. Well, gotta, gotta kill two hours, you know, like, um, and, uh, yeah, really, it really does. I, I guess, uh, does serve as a, a nice, a nice way to build that skill set. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. so, and so like, like you said, I mean, I, I like the, uh, the, the picture that you paint in regards to, you know, you getting into guitar and just kind of the, um, you know, the, the, you know, I, the, the word discipline, I, it just comes to my mind, but just like that idea of, you know, you hashing it out by yourself and just kind of, you know, learning stuff on your own and everything. Um, and like you said, you're a, you know, a big nineties rock person. So I'm guessing that that obviously was your entry point. And then when did kind of, you know, the more sort of like punk hardcore DIY stuff start to filter into your life? Sure. Well, so, so like I said, I did, um, actually started playing in a band with a couple of friends, Josh, our bass player of whom, um, was one. And this must've been like when we were, uh, still, I mean, still in junior high. So probably like 12, I think. Um, and just writing our own songs. I like playing, I don't know, anything from like semi-sonic covers to one of our friends, uh, that played keyboard, got really into like learning 
Carlos Santana organ parts. So we ended up doing like Santana covers, uh, like occasionally just so he could like try and like flesh out these like wild organ solos that he had, uh, that he had like mastered at a young age, actually. Um, and then eventually I get, I think we, you know, started being like, Hey, why don't like, let's, you know, light bulb goes on, let's try and write our own songs. Um, and started writing songs, a lot of which probably, uh, really leaned pretty heavily towards that, like nineties alternative rock stuff at that time, just cause that, you know, that was close to the stuff that we were covering and, you know, sounded like any of that, like early, like green day blink stuff. Um, but, uh, but that kind of end up had like a interesting transition then too. So all of us were in, uh, were like all also like in high school jazz band and stuff like that. So I play, actually played trombone all up through high school. Um, and, that led itself to an interesting point where the band that, uh, that Josh and I had played in through junior high at a certain point, he, uh, Josh has an older brother who was very much into, um, actually a, a lot of, uh, like Christian, like second, third wave ska bands, like OC Supertones, Five Iron Frenzy, um, and things along those lines. I don't know if you, uh, have too much uh appreciation or experience with uh third wave scott but it was a very big part of our high school career this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we're sitting here it's like june and you're like where has the time gone and everybody's like oh my gosh i have no idea i gotta like accomplish all these other things take a moment focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you but for two look back be like what have i done well what have i done not so well And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, 
time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You're stuck in your house right now, right? Everybody is. I mean, a large majority of people are. And hopefully you're being healthy and listening to a ton of music. And, you know, when you're, you're kind of at that point where you're like, oh, man, like, I, I don't even know what to do with myself. You need to go to rockabilly.com. Not only is a gr- it is a great boredom killer, but they have unbelievable merch. And use this code PC100Words. That gets you 15% off your order. You can dive into there. They have over 500,000 merch items on their store. I actually counted one day. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't count that. But it is unbelievable and staggering how much they have at their website. I have spent hours poking around their website being like, oh, let's see what they have with this. Oh, wow, they have this really cool long sleeve. Or like, oh, man, how about this uh, hoodie? Or, you know, how about these uh, interesting little, you know, they, they sell pop figures. They sell a ton of different stuff. So, and it's all officially licensed. All the bands get paid for this stuff rather than the horrific bootlegs that exist out there on Amazon and other websites. So go to rockabilly.com, use the code PC100Words, and you will get 15% off your order. So please, you're bored. Go check out the site, buy some merch, and you will be very happy because then your mailman or UPS driver will deliver it to you, and you'll be like, yes, this day is that much better because of it. All right? Well, dude, it was so fun. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's something that is so I find so interesting because, you know, like in certain pockets, it, that you know, third wave and whatever, you know, fourth wave, just different iterations of ska um, happen. Whereas like other parts of the country, it just like, it, it never even hit. I mean, Southern California was synonymous with it, but you know, I always, sure. found, I always found it interesting where it's just like, you know, whatever, a band like mustard plug, like, you know, wave the flag in the Midwest and like it, it, just these little yep. pockets, but yeah, in, in Philly and obviously the suburbs, uh, it just, yeah, it was really strong. It's cool. Well, and you know, and so that actually, um, like you said, probably came in, um, I mean, I, you know, obviously like, you know, there was a, there was a punk scene out here and I, you know, um, but there, I feel like that came to us through his older brother and it mostly came because I I think it was, um, an origin of a lot of like youth group related, um, activities and so like five iron and oc supertones like were a lot of christian ska actually so i um i never grew up uh being um very uh attached or involved in in organized religion in that way but i did you know did have a couple friends that early on that age and um you know were involved in um you know like Christian community youth groups and after school stuff like that. Um, and I think that's actually where a lot of that stuff ended up getting passed down. Cause I think even, I want to say there was like a, some sort of like youth group talent show or something that, uh, that his brother wanted to, uh, um, wanted to do a couple of these songs in and wanted to like put together a band. And so he, I think he was like, Oh, well, like my younger brother has a band, you know? Uh, so he we went to Josh was like, you guys like want to learn like a couple of these songs and kind of just like be the rhythm section for this, uh, like youth group talent show. And we ended up, you know, learning a couple of those songs. And I think that, uh, was kind of the beginning for something that in true ska band fashion ended up lasting a couple of years with like, a, a myriad of rotating members and characters in and out at one point. I, yeah, I feel like there were like over 10 people that were technically in the band. Um, you know, one of whom, you know, might've honestly b- just had no other job than to skank on stage in true, uh, Scobian fashion. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean and that so i think that's where like the deep interest of like you know that was the first point where i was like oh man like marrying the well i'm playing a horn instrument i like uh, you know i'm playing trombone in like you know all this like high school band stuff but like then here like seeing it married with a lot of that like faster like punk rock and like streetlight manifesto type stuff um it like it shined a new light on it and a new appreciation for something that kind of brought those two worlds together you know kind of the guitar driven like fast like punk stuff um but also like really really high energy um and well thought out, like well crafted horn arrangements, uh, and it, you know, it just I don't know. Um, that was like a, a large portion of our high school career was uh, playing a lot of ska covers like that, off and on. Um, and I, I think that then, you know, finding a lot of other uh, punk bands or related to that that were related to a lot of those, you know, like Streetlight, um, sure, you know, Supertone, Five Iron was again like a huge band where it's just like the the musicality then too it was kind of just like oh it's not just like power chord stuff it's like these are like real like real players on these songs and you know and uh so it kind of had that musicality to it too that i think uh was also extremely uh impressive and attractive so yeah for sure and i always like i mean i never was that big of a ska dude i definitely dabbled into it but it's like hearing certain bands that were able to execute you know, certain levels of uh, not only proficiency, but then, you know, aggression where it's like a band like Suicide Machines where it was like, it was yeah. so great. It's like, you know, they didn't have horns, but clearly they were rooted in so much ska, but at the same time they were hardcore kids. And like, yeah, it was just really cool to see the wide palette that could be painted under this, this umbrella of ska that it wasn't just this, you know, total like goofball music with, you know, horns and skanking, even though a lot uh. of it was, <laughs> but still. <laughs> A lot of it was for sure. But I think that's ultimately what, yeah, what kept me around is branching out and finding just how much was there. And then, you know, slowly, um, finding, finding my way out into a lot, you know, anything else that was remotely related and in starting to run in circles with people were like, yeah, I like that. But like, we kind of sound like this and we're trying to write songs like this, this or this, you know? So, um, I think that was probably, uh, the way that I started getting a little bit more into that. And then ultimately I think a lot of the, you know, the dive into, um, just as it, just like the VFW scene, you know, we like in high school, like start like that band and some of the other bands that we were in, in high school, you know, we had a, a pretty great scene here in Lansdale. Um, a lot of what, you know, that our singer Dan and a couple of our other friends, um, you know, booked pretty regularly whether it was you know boys and girls club dfw or any venue that they could get their hands on you know as one by one you lose them um you know uh as they get shut down um but uh but yeah i mean you know i think that was also um a lot of the initial exposure to you know a lot of uh local bands you know that were doing you know punk stuff or more of the, you know, um, like Northeast hardcore or a lot of the, um, like grindcore screamo stuff that, uh, that was definitely cropping up in, um, the early two thousands. Um, you know, so I think that was, that was a heavy amount of exposure where that, you know, that hit a lot of local, local scenes and local bands pretty hard as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool because I mean, Philly has always been one of those scenes that, 
it, it, it's such a, a, a melting pot, you know? Um, and I, I think a lot of it comes from just the heavy influence of the suburbs, um, you know, the same way that other cities can kind of have that as long as they have, you know, bored kids in the suburbs. And then they obviously, you know, centralize on either, you know, like you said, the VFWs or are able to, you know, kind of scale up and play the city and stuff like that. Yeah, and that exactly. I mean, and that was, so that was exactly our experience too. And, you know, a lot of, you know, every, a lot of little suburbs, uh, like all have their own thing, bouncing around show to show. A lot of really eclectic bills too. So that's why, so even coming in, it's like, if we were, you know, I'll use the ska band as a, you know, polarizing example, but if you come in with, you know, playing songs like that and are thrown on another bill that's in the middle of like, two like beatdown bands, some weird, like, um, you know, techie grindcore type thing. And then some like, and then Zoloft, the rock weird, and roll destroyer. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah. And then Zoloft. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, wow. Great example. Glad you're, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, 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 well versed in the Philly scene. Yeah. You got, you got, yeah. all, you got all else failed. Zoloft, the rock and roll destroyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can, you can probably put a bill together. I'm not sure that that bill has, hasn't already happened, you know? Um, <laughs> totally. So, yeah. Throw, yeah, throw, and, uh, throw a little this day forward in might as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's like, so that's also like, you know, talk about exposure. It's just like, you'll, you'll see, you'll end up on a show where you're just like, I don't know what this band's supposed to sound like, but yeah, that's interesting. And that, you know, and then you realize maybe a year or two, you know, or as you hear a couple other bands, you're like, Oh, these are the bands that they're, you know, that that band's listening to. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. You now know? I get that. Yeah. Um, right. I yeah. get, I get the roadmap of why this is happening. Yeah. 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 And it gets all thrown together. So I think that was a lot of exposure really early on and just, you know, it even, it happens a lot touring. Like we start, you know, start booking, you know, DIY tours, doing out of state shows that happens all the time where you're just, you're desperate and you're just like, what do you got? Throw it, you know, throw us on whatever show you have. And you're just like, well, it's this and it's going to be you and um, five other hardcore bands that are in no way major key oriented. So good luck with that. Um, you know, um, so, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it just works, you know, um, yeah, totally. and ultimately, and it's cool too. Cause then, you know, when you, you have those moments and you see those, those shows and those communities where everybody's like, it doesn't really matter, you know, what, sub genre or subsect of you know that like punk or hardcore you're from it's just like they're all just there because their friends are playing and they all just want to be at a show and yep. you know and experience that yeah and and honestly those are some of the cool i remember coming up um you know playing some of those shows where i mean we get this a lot we're just like yeah no i i mean i don't really like that like pop punk stuff but that was, that was a fun set, you know, like, or whatever, like some like loaded, you know, loaded, uh, yeah, a backhand you know, compliment. Loaded compliment. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, and I'm just like, okay, honestly. And eventually those are the ones that started meeting the most where I was just like, this is a person that so badly came into this wanting to throw shade and they walked away even at neutral, even just being like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like yeah, that was, I was me. like, I was like, yeah, that's honestly, that's a win. I like, I don't in, in any way you know, uh, came into that that scenario expecting any sort of victory, but that, you know, even those moments were just like, Oh, okay. Well, it couldn't have been that bad if that person that really had nothing else, you know, no reason to, um, 
you know, to sit around and figure out and hear it at least like even just yeah, the person got through two songs before they left. Okay. That's yeah, pretty that's good. A, that's a yeah. win. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so, you know, I, as you started, like you said, as you started to, you know, kind of gig around with your friends and, you know, be able to kind of, you know, experience more of the scene and stuff like that. Um, did you, I guess, kind of have any other path in your head in regards to like, okay, this band stuff is fun, but like, clearly I'm not going to like do this for a living or whatever. So I'm going to be, you know, a librarian or did you have any sort of like career mindedness about you? Um, you know what? I, I, I briefly thought, thought about the idea in high school. I think of, uh, the idea of psychology really, really interested me, um, probably just because, you know, maybe going back to the only child thing, just being, uh, developing a, an extremely, uh, analytical mind. Um, and you know, the, where the gears are always turning, even if the mouth is not, um, and, uh, and how, you know, you start to see that and develop that and, you know, um, and just the idea of mental health in general, um, you know, and being able to, to help, uh, guide people through issues that even I started to see, you know, with myself or with others. Um, and that was, that was one of the things that I thought about at the end of high school. Um, and, uh, actually it, uh, never came to fruition at that time because I did end up going to Drexel, um, and, uh, went to their, uh, their music industry program. Um, for four years, actually, well, Wonder Years was still going. So I, I kind of leaned into that a little bit more. So in terms of a career, um, yeah, I did throw myself a little bit more into that, um, you know, uh, and really try to try to pursue that. Um, and it wasn't necessarily until, I guess, until a couple of years later into that when, um, when really the idea that, oh, well, you know, maybe like maybe we could tour for a year or two with this band, like, you know, it seems like something, something was happening a little bit. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, uh, hit the ground running. I'm not coming back home until our band's a success, um, kind of thing. But there was definitely a turning point, maybe about half, half our way, uh, through college where, I mean, I remember we took a semester off, um, to tour and, um, and I think that experience too, uh, where you start to go out, not only outside of your city or your state, but you end up on the other side of the country or in our case, you know, early on, we ended up, um, you know, having someone, you know, approach us about the possibility of, of booking a DIY tour in the UK. And we were like, um, how's that going to work? Uh, yeah, is this real? Like, it's like, I think to do that, you need people to show up and I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, this early. Um, I mean, we, you know, we did it. Some people did show up. Um, it was an experience, but I think even it doesn't matter, you know, early on, if it's one person or a hundred people, whatever, you know, some things happen faster for different reasons. And especially nowadays with young bands, you know, like, out of nowhere, um, you know, there's some bands just like, oh my God, you, you, I don't know why, but you all of a sudden have like 200 kids showing up to these shows and this is your second show ever. Um, you know, um, but typically that's not the case. And for us, I think like those early, those early tours where we kind of took it out of state and we're still 
you know, playing songs that in no way had a serious message or agenda, um, you know, to put forth. Uh, but we were, it was just us having fun and playing and it was about the energy, um, you know, putting forth from a live performance standpoint and just having fun. And then you see people responding to that. And I think that instills even a little bit of confidence that just slowly starts to, starts to multiply um, into a thing where it starts to seem feasible or at least the next step starts to seem feasible, you know? Um, and then uh, at a certain point, I remember, you know, after uh, coming out of college, uh, we were like, okay, do we think, you know, this is possible looking around and it's just, you're just like, okay, cool. How do I do this? I have to make like barely like I, you know, like I can get by for, for a little while. Like if I just make like 300 bucks a month, cool. Let me find a way to do that. And then we can make it happen and slow, you know, um, and just seeing each one of those stepping stones. And I think that's, you know, how, uh, how it started to seem feasible and possible. So, yeah, I mean, music, music was a thing from, you know, early on that I I think I, I think I knew it, you know, I wanted to take, take a swing at for sure. Um, but I didn't necessarily know it was going to be like the performance end of it or, you know, try to make a career out of, um, out of writing, performing and recording and such until, uh, yeah, until it was there. Until we, Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, and, and it seems weird. It's like, I, you know, I, I mean, we were, we were very much into it and pursuing something that we, that we all loved. Um, you know, but again, like I said, as, as, you know, and I can't say this for every band, but for us uniquely, it wasn't like we sat down day one and said, great, let's write a song. This is what we want to do for the next 15 years. Um, it was actually, uh, you know, very accidental in many ways uh, and just evolved into something that uh, that seemed to work. So High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at high-the-number-five-casino.com. High-five casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM, let's create. Um, yeah, yeah I mean. Ha- it's a happy accident. I mean, and I think yeah. that's, honestly, the, the bands that end up, you know, having some sense of longevity are the ones that uh, obviously come with that sort of like step-by-step process where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll take college. I'll take a semester off. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like let's sign with this label or like, let's put out this record. It's like, you don't, you don't have this like grand overarching plan. 
you just, you kind of react to the things as they come. And then, yeah, then you find yourself, oh, wow, like we've been on tour for two years. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. 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 I know. I mean, and I know, and again, I know plenty of, uh, plenty of musicians that have seen other bands that had extremely elaborate, extremely calculated ideas of where they wanted their band to go and how they wanted to try and get there. And we're, you know, and we're extremely dedicated and I would never knock that, that type of dedication. Um, you know, I, I don't think it would have worked for us. I think it would have, would have stifled us. Um, and it, it, you know, it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have been, you know, wouldn't have given us time to kind of get going if we took things that seriously that quickly. Um, you know, so I think maybe there is something to be said for, for that sometimes is, is allowing it to happen and unfold, um, in a way that allows us to maintain our sanity, uh, as we, as we kind of embark at each step and, and, and take it gradually. And we've definitely, yeah, I mean, our, um, the arc of our band has definitely been that of uh, more of the, more of the slow burn, so to speak. I think, um, there was no like, Oh my God, this record came out and you know, um, and here they are, they've arrived any kind of thing like that, which, you know, can happen with the right record, with the right band. So there's a lot, I think a lot to be said for timing when it comes to that kind of thing. And, um, but for us, I think it was just putting the work in and, and doing the touring one step at a time. And, you know, this opportunity presents itself and then we, you know, we take the risk, go for that. And, you know, and that's, yeah, I think, that's I think what, yeah. Legit led you where you're at. Um, you know, kind of on that same, that same token, uh, you know, I remember distinctly when, you know, you guys, you know, were moving from no sleep to hopeless. And it was interesting because, you know, that felt like a pretty interesting shift because there were, I mean, not only is it obviously a larger label and, you know, more resources and all the obvious reasons why you guys did that, but it definitely felt like there was a uh, air of legitimacy that got placed on this, this scene that was kind of happening, you know, in the, the Northeast area from, you know, obviously all the stuff like, you know, title fight and balancing composure and all that stuff. But then, you know, you guys and man overboard and stuff. Cause a lot of people kind of, um, you know, especially from a business perspective, wait <laughs> for a long time to feel like, Oh, I don't know. Like, is this a real thing? Is this scene actually happening? And, um, you know, it felt like when that happened for you guys, it felt like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, of course there were other movements from bands <laughs> that you guys were friends with and playing with, that happened. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, it, it definitely felt like a, a, a moment from that perspective. And I don't know if you guys, I guess, kind of like internally felt it, whether you're not, you know, not like you guys are patting each other in the back being like, oh, we've made it or whatever. But like just that notion that like, oh, wow, this feels like, you know, a, uh, a you know, a, a sort of uh, a, a, a sign of legitimacy in something that, uh, you know, you guys didn't anticipate. I mean, absolutely. I mean, anytime, you know, I think, uh, there's a, there's a bit of validation there when, you know, somebody, you know, whether it be hopeless or Chris with no sleep, you know, says candidly, uh, I like what you're doing. And not only that, but, you know, takes a risk and invests in what, um, what it is you're doing and what you've, you know, um, shown and developed thus far. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that definitely wasn't lost in us. And, and that, you know, in that regard, that moment, I, I, I will say, um, you know, it, it took uh, a bit of, uh, time and development leading up to that moment, obviously, you know, we'd, 
you know, been a band technically speaking since, you know, 2005. And that, uh, that transition didn't, didn't start until, you know, 2010, um, really. And so I, like, I, so I think in, in that way, you know, we had been evolving, developing, understanding what we were, what we wanted to do, what we liked, where we, you know, thought we were going and, you know, and playing shows with all, you know, a lot of those bands that you had mentioned, um, uh, at that point or other bands with members of those bands before they were in, um, those bands. And, um, you know, so it, had, it had felt like, you know, we were building towards that, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, uh, you know, you look at a label like hopeless that had, uh, some, I mean, at that time they had already had all time low, you know, weaker than it's like some bands that, you know, had clearly made a name in the, in the larger scene and, uh, you know, across the course of time over the last, um, you know, 15 to 20 years. So, you know, there was like, not to say that we came in and said, Oh, great. We've signed, we've made it. It's a free ride. I think it I think it was nice that we found an, found an ally like that, that had some advice, but also, you know, had a, a perspective where just like anything else, um, you know, they were taking a risk. And if, you know, when someone takes, just like someone takes a risk, putting you on a show, you know, like if it's a promoter, it's like the idea is like, they want, they want you to either bring people out or put on a really good show. So that show, you know, is an even better bill altogether. Um, you know, so they're extending a certain amount of trust in what you do. And, and that's, I think what we felt in that moment when we were, were doing that was, uh, yeah, it's like that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there is the potential for some longevity here. Um, you know, in, in moving forward. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And it's interesting to hear, I mean, like you said, from, you know, from the outside and, you know, a different perspective, it's, um, you know, cause I, I don't really oh like always think about it that way, but yeah, it's like, you know, there were a lot of bands and that, um, you know, from that point on in that time period, starting around then really started to, to take off and gain momentum as another, um, you know, as another wave, I guess, so to speak, which was cool to be a part of. And yeah, no, it's always, and cool to see happen. It's always exciting when that, when that happens, like, uh, you know, especially it's the, when you notice these trends kind of, you know, happening in regards to, you know, scenes and, you know, now that the way that the, that the music scene exists, like it, it's difficult to kind of pinpoint bands to a scene because, you know, anybody can play anywhere and, you know, most bands like live all over the place and that's totally fine. <laughs> but it, it's cool to see all of these bands being able to reflect off of one another and learn from one another and, you know, be able to, uh, you know, kind of prop each other up in those, those ways. And that, you know, that's, that's what I saw, like you said, that kind of momentum that, you know, you guys and a lot of your peers had of, um, that particular moment. So it's just really cool to see that, but yeah. Um, you know, two, two last things I want to hit on with you was, um, you know, one, as you started to kind of, um, you know, get out there and like you said, be able to like make these steps towards, um, you know, doing things on a more quote unquote legitimate level where you're like, Oh wow. Like, you know, I actually come home with, you know, 150 bucks as opposed to like, Oh wow. Like we just lost money again, but that's fine. You know, whatever. doesn't matter. <laughs> like we, we still had fun. Um, 
how did, uh, you know, I guess how did the business sort of, you know, sit with you? I mean, obviously it's a necessary function in any band to kind of operate. Um, but did you, uh, I guess like, like the business of the band, do you try to re- remove yourself from it? Um, you know, where does it sit in your head? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think it, it, it is a necessary part of it at a certain point. Um, as I guess, as grimy and as stigmatized as it can often sound. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, negative connotations with money getting in the way and, um, and the idea of, you know, once money enters the picture, uh, you know, how does that change expectations? How does that change, you know, perspective? I, I mean, I was just, you know, just having a conversation with, um, you know, someone that's early on in their career. Um, and, uh, you know, they put out a great record and, you know, now they're starting to write LP two, and, um, you know, they're seeing, you know, a, a, a significant response to that and to the first LP, but it's like, but now the, you know, the expectation level is set. And I think, um, you know, I think money can sometimes kind of do that too, especially on both sides. You know, like I mentioned, you know, signing to a label, someone, someone puts, uh, their faith in you and, and in shows that they believe. And oftentimes that in the, in the case of that label artist relationship is someone putting literally a recording budget or sometimes in advance on royalties like that forward, uh, as a sign that they believe and are confident in what you are going to do and deliver as an artist. But I think that sometimes then too is a pressure that was not there before, or maybe if it was there, it was there in a much smaller way, um, you know, and uh, you maybe didn't feel uh, encumbered before spending, you know, the majority of your early years, you know, writing songs, finding out what song, what kind of songs you wanted to like. And then all of a sudden you, you put music out, people respond to it and somebody wants that, uh, response to continue to progress and grow. And I think that's maybe sometimes something that, you know, a lot of people grapple with, um, is trying to find, trying to continue being, putting forth things that fulfill them artistically and, you know, as songwriters. Um, but also it's tough that, you know, you might bring something to a label that says, Oh, this is not at all what we were expecting. And, you know, I, I think that, I guess, unfortunately, and this hasn't always been, you know, our experience. And I've actually, you know, been lucky to know plenty of people um, over the years doing this that have a much different perspective on it. And uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, signing artists or trying to help them develop themselves and and figure out what ultimately they want to become. But yeah, I, I think, you know, money or sometimes, you know, the lack thereof, also makes that hard. You know, um, I know that's something that, I mean, you know, bands, uh, plenty of bands out there grinding it out every day, um, you know, and for years and years, and a lot of them probably way more talented than uh, a number of bands that do end up seeing success. But for whatever reason, um, you know, maybe the money does not show up or does not come to continue that, uh, you know, continue supporting and facilitating that career. Um, so it's, you know, it, it depends on how, on how you look at it and what perspective it's coming from. But I think I've always 
we started finding it as, like I mentioned before, you know, a necessary thing where, you know, you have a certain floor of, well, I need to live somewhere, uh, you know, and have, there will always be a certain amount of, um, fixed expenses. Uh, you know, you have to find a way to feed yourself and whether early on, if you're lucky enough and it's, you know, Taco Bell's feed the beat, you know, um, that helps a little bit on tour, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you you can't pay rent in Taco Bell bucks. So, (laughs) no, not at all. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, so there are creative ways to do it and be thrifty. And I think we found a lot of them over the years. Um, but ultimately I think, you know, if, if it's possible, um, you know, finding yourself into a way where, uh, assembling some sort of financial stability, uh, hopefully ideally, you know, can yield a, can yield a a creative freedom that, you know, makes you realize you're not as worried or, you know, doesn't distract from really figuring out where you want to take what you're doing musically, um, to the next level. And, you know, that obviously that's the hope that, you know, that, that you don't want your favorite band to feel like they're going to write something disingenuous because that's what people want. And I think that's, you know, um, calling back to how we kind of started, um, this whole discussion off talking about, uh, growing and progressing. I think that was, you know, a big thing for us that we started to realize we were like, well, if we're going to keep writing songs, you know, we want to make sure that there are things that we honestly believe in every time um, and, you know, are relevant to us because we're ultimately the ones that are going to have to be up there, be playing these songs. And I think you start to, you start to realize if um, the heart's not there uh, or, you know, a band is writing songs that they really are not connecting with, or, you know, maybe they write a song and they're like, yeah, this is good. This, you know, this works, but really they were like, oh man, but I'd love to like go start, you know, I wish we could have, you know, explored this, this style more or done something a little bit different with the arrangement, um, you know, or thinking maybe we played it a little safe or, you know, whatever. So I think for us, you know, we found, we've been very lucky, um, to work hard, uh, at establishing, you know, that kind of, um, you know, stability and, and security, uh, across time. Uh, and we don't take, you know, again, we don't take that lightly. And that's why I think we've always been very hands-on, um, when it comes to understanding, uh, you know, how, how we spend money, you know, we've, we've never been a band that, that likes debt. I, you know, there's plenty of other bands that, you know, uh, the first record they go immediately, we need a, a full, high production show and three tour buses and, you know, a 30 person crew. And we, again, just like everything else in our career, I think grew slowly into um, really understanding and defining, you know, what we needed and will this ultimately help us create a better show, help us, be in a better place and, and interact with the, or give more back ultimately in value to the people um, that support our band and, and come and, and want to see us play or want to support uh, us continuing to make music and do what we do. So I think every time we've, we've treated it in that way um, ultimately. So I think it's, 
it's necessary. And, and I would, you know, I would say, you know, to any, uh, younger bands or, you know, bands that are starting out and starting to see money come in and, um, and starting to, to have that responsibility to, to try and set good habits early on, um, you know, as a band and also as a business, you know, I, I like it, it sucks. Cause you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to treat every decision, like separating the, the artistic side of things and the business side of things is tough and to keep them separate. But sometimes one person, you know, is that business and is, you know, the creative end of it and, um, and understanding that one can help support the other. Um, but also understanding when one, you know, when that can, you know, potentially harm the other is good. And maybe, you know, some people might find that like distancing themselves and, and bringing somebody in and knowing when, you know, the idea of getting too focused on the business decisions or end of things is starting to overwhelm them and being able to bring somebody in and find somebody that they trust to handle that is also really important, I think. Um, but it's ultimately, you know, a, a business decision and not a creative decision, you know? Yeah, no, totally. It makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. The, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was, uh, something, you know, because you, uh, I mean, the band has existed for a long time and you've experienced a lot of the, um, you know, highs and lows that come with the sort of creative uh, pursuits and creative endeavors. Um, you know, something I always find interesting where people always have these kind of like crystalline moments in their head, whether it's like something that's like incredibly surreal where it's like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we sold out whatever the house of blues in Boston or what, you know, like these, these moments that, uh, you know, are, are important to the individual rather than like kind of the collective band. I mean, it's important to the entire band, but you know, people have their own individual moments. Um, you know, do you have something that kind of like, uh, you know, springs into your brain, uh, when I say that sort of emotion of like, wow, like, you know, I, th- these are things that, uh, you know, uh, these are, these are a couple of moments that I've experienced that, uh, just never still don't make sense to me. Like why we've been able to experience this or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody in the band would have, you know, some different, but, uh, ultimately, uh, a number of overlapping, moments like that, or, you know, I mean, touring so much, a lot of them are, um, a lot of them are show related, obviously, um, along the way. And, and everybody has, you know, different fra- favorite shows. And the interesting thing about being in a band with, uh, six people is it's very rare that everybody comes off stage and unanimously has a wild superlative response to any given set, you know, it's like, it's uh, generally speaking at this point, you know, having done it enough, it's like, we come off stage and we're like, yeah, that was great. That was, that was awesome. And uh, now at this point, I think it's, you know, after so many years, I think it's, uh, you know, like I might know that I secretly felt like, ah, like three quarters of the way through, I kind of lost it for a second. That wasn't my cleanest, you know, set of the tour, but then, you know, our drummer might just, you know, might be like, I, that was, that was it. That was for me, that was the best I've played this entire tour. So, it, so it ends up balancing out in those moments and, um, you know, what we, uh, what we're always trying to do. So it's rare, but when they, when it hits on all cylinders like that and you know, it, it's very special. Um, I guess from, 
from a you know from a performance by and from what the crowd and the overall uh, night and and vibe bring. And I, I mean, I, I'll say specifically for me, the things that I remember most are um, things like getting to play. Um, you know, the first time we opened a show at First Unitarian Church, because that's a legendary spot in Philly, um, you know, and even just the name of the venue and just a lot of the tours and, um, you know, that you would see going through growing up, that's, uh, you know, a spot um, for anybody that's not in Philly, um, you know, just. Uh, it's le- it's legendary. Of, it, it's legendary. It's an, in- it's an institution in terms of like the, the Philly um punk and hardcore scene for sure. And anybody that's done a lot of touring and has come through, it's, I mean, it's just the church basement, you know, just like so many of the other venues that we played, but it's, but it's the one in Philly that's downtown in center city that, you know, that meant something that was special. That was kind of like our friend Joe, who was, you know, booking that, um, that venue at the time, you know, put us on, uh, to open a show. And I, I, you know, again, going back to, it's like, somebody, somebody trusting you, somebody believing in you, somebody, you know, like getting a shot to, to play at that venue. I think that was really special, uh, for a lot of us, um, for sure. And then, I mean, yeah, obviously understandably. So a lot of those moments are definitely attached to, uh, to, you know, Philly related shows and, and playing a lot of the venues, uh, that we grew up seeing all the bands that inspired us play, you know? Um, Totally. And I, I mean, I'll remember, I think the first time we headlined the electric factory, um, I remember standing on stage. Uh, well, actually it wasn't the first time we played it because I think we had, we had played it once or twice before, um, come through supporting, but specifically it, I remember going up on stage when we first, when we loaded in, um, the first time we, uh, we headlined that room and sold it out by ourselves and standing on stage and just thinking, wow, this room looks so different. And when I, when I was a kid and like first came to these shows, it was massive. And I think a lot of that was, um, you know, just the magnitude and excitement and um, foreignness of the whole experience and just a crowd that big, that loud with that much energy and standing in the back of it, um, you know, and seeing the, the perspective shifted it was uh, so interesting, and I and I definitely had uh, had a moment standing there on stage and soundchecking. And I, and I mean, I even remember that show. I definitely like <laughs> got a little choked up because it was, you know, the family's there. It's it's surreal, and it's one of you know, it's one of these moments where, yeah, I think exactly you know what you asked, where you realize like, oh wow, like this is this is real. Like this is you know because we we had had a very you know. Um, a, a slow and steady growth over the years. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, this is, this is a, this is a thing we're doing. This isn't just like, a, oh, we got lucky and that, you know, that was a really cool show, but like ultimately, you know, tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to have to go find a job and um, you know, uh, and this will all be like really cool and exciting. This was like a thing where I was like, oh, wow, we've like, we've built something that has meant a lot to, a very significant and overwhelming amount of people in the city that we grew up in. Um, and I like, yeah, I'll never, that one specifically, I'll never forget. And there, I mean, there have been a ton, you know, a lot of festivals. I remember the first time, you know, as a kid, you grow up and, uh, you know, speaking of institutions, you know, warp tour is a thing that we all grew up going to. Um, so I remember, I remember where we were, you know, um, somewhere in like a parking lot outside Dallas and, you know, realizing that, you know, that, 
that we uh, that we got the offer for Warp Tour, and just and at the same time, you know, having a lot of those nostalgic moments flood back, and not necessarily one specific moment on that tour, but just um, being on it. And I guess the same thing, having attended it at you know as a fan and seeing so many bands, and then being out on it with actually a lot, you know, a lot of the bands um, that you mentioned, you know, from the Philly area or that we had grown up um, or had, you know, had started touring with and become very close with in the scene and all being there and looking around and being, um, being amazed and just so, uh, so humbled and in awe by the fact that are just like, this is uh, all of our, fr- like, all of our friends and all of these people are the the bands and musicians that are making up this show experience for these people and remembering what that felt like to hop around and how excited it was to see that many bands on one day um, and just how special that was and just, you know, and how it, it one of those, you know, kind of another full circle moment was, I think, really special and, um, you know, brought a lot of a lot of perspective um, to what to what we had accomplished and what, you know, and what we do and, and how grateful we are to be able to do it, you know? Yeah, no, that that's, I, I love that. Yeah. Being able to look around and be like, Hey, these are all our friends out here. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's so simple, but at the same time it feels so, um, yeah, it feels like, you know, everybody is doing something, um, you know, meaningful and special that, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, stands the test of time is a different story, but it's like, well, no, this is happening at this very moment and everyone's loving it. And it's just, it's exciting. So yeah, I totally get that. Well, Casey, we've done it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was uh, really enjoyable for me. Yeah, thanks. This was, this was great. I had a lot of fun walking, walking back through. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. down, go down memory lane and, and memory- jumping all over the place. That was Casey, and uh, thank you very much, Casey, for coming on to the show. And um, I was going to say thank you to his girlfriend, uh, Megan, who is a great individual, and I love her dearly. And uh, she kind of, you know, uh, put the idea in my head, and then Casey and I started talking, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. So great people all around. And uh, next week we have, of course, another amazing discussion with a person who I consider a good friend, and we hadn't spoken in about, I don't know, 10 years or so. But uh, Jesse Corman, the vocalist of Number 12 Looks Like You, he's also a very prolific photographer, and he's also done a great amount of work within the film industry. He's a director. He is a man of many, many talents. And um, yeah, that discussion was really, really cool because he he blew my mind on a a few different levels, uh, including when we actually first met. So that's what we got next week. And please, I know I say this at the end of every podcast, but I, I mean it more so now than ever. Be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie? 
pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah! So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.